Hello, and welcome to Your Daily Homily, a ministry of St. Philip the Apostle Parish in Pasadena, California. For more information on today's readings and homilist, please view the show notes below. And now, Your Daily Homily. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried And from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, O no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, we have, we have serious business to talk about today. Uh, um, somebody asked me during this past week, you know, uh, I wish I could remember who it was. But anyway, asked me, how do you prepare for homilies? Uh, and so, well, there, you know, it's kind of a, 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 two or a three-step process. Number one, tonight sometime before I, uh, after everything's over, I'll read next week's gospel. So just during the course of the week, it's percolating in my head and just got it on my mind all the time. And, you know, you try to see things around that relate to it. 
Then number two, every, every once or twice a month, I, my small group of priests will meet and talk about, uh, part of what we do is talk about the readings. But something I started four years ago, certainly every week, our administrative team, we have a weekly meeting, we have staff meeting once a month, but an admin meeting every week, and we change it so the first uh, hour of that meeting is only on the scripture of the gospel to come. So, the, so that the scripture is kind of in, in, fuses our office with, with uh, paying attention to the Bible all the time. And out of that, you start getting ideas and the mind starts working. So something came up this week that, you know, about today's parable. And it was real clear and it came up at both meetings, both twice different people said it at each meeting. And it was, how can you read this parable and at the same time say you don't believe in hell when it's so clear? You know, and when, when you say, oh, he's in, one's in torment and one's in the bosom of Abraham, and then Jesus, Jesus is real clear about it. Among, among other places, it just reminds me, when I was a senior in high school, <clears throat> my senior year Latin teacher, sister, I can't remember her name now, but anyway, I told her, yeah, I don't think I believe in hell, and her guys, oh, <laughs> yeah, so, so anyway, I, yeah, I, I have grown since then. But that was the first issue, and you're going to be, you know, if that's you, you're going to have to deal with that. How do you read the parable and at the same time say, oh, I don't believe in it, when Jesus is so clear? The other part of it that is more interesting, and it has to do with how we are raised, uh, you know, our, our way of thinking. We are morally conditioned to think in terms of essentially simplify good guys and bad guys and, and see everything that way almost every movie and, and TV show depends on that what's, what's the drama always the good against the bad westerns action movies, drama movies I mean everything, comedies it's always somebody is a good guy and somebody is the bad guy I was asked a, a while back uh, how do they still have professional wrestling on TV? And, and you know, it's a little uh, uh, moral drama every time. There are good guys and there are bad guys, and they, you know, they, they make you choose which one you want to follow and so forth. It, it, we're, we're like that, and so we're trained to think like that. And when it comes to this parable, you know, who is the good guy? Who's the good guy in this parable? Lazarus. And who's the bad guy? the rich man, except that's not necessarily true. Except, because if I ask you, you know, by, by today's standards, by the way we understand our live our lives in this culture today, what did the rich guy do wrong? Goes to synagogue, takes care of himself and his family. What's wrong with that? What is wrong with that? Isn't that the way we live? Go to church, make sure you take care of yourself and your family. Yeah, I mean, we know what we did, but, but to understand that doesn't make him a bad guy. And yet he's still in torment. See, we said it again this morning, and I've talked about this here before, you'll remember it. But when we say the computer, we say a part in what I have done and what I have failed to do 
we call it sins of commission and sins of omission. And somehow we think, you know, in the sins of commission, as, as long as I avoid mortal sin, then everything is okay. But we don't even think about the sins of omission, things we are supposed to do and we don't do. Because you know that we want to know the truth? We have lots of Lazaruses around us. Go down Colorado Boulevard. And you'll find lots of Lazarus. And what do we, you know, and I'm right there with you. How easy is it just to walk right past? Right? And it's hard to figure out what to do because there's so many. Go to downtown LA and how many Lazaruses do you see there? And there are so many, it, make, it makes you feel useless. But it doesn't mean that the issue doesn't exist. And, and we have to treat that seriously. And, and, you know, how do we retrain our mind so we don't just be the rich guy and say, well, I'm, I, you know, I don't commit mortal sin and I take care of my family, I go to church, good enough. That is a primary reason not the only one, but there were a few things. Primary reason, though, that we started this evangelization effort called, by now you know what we call it, it's called Friends in Faith. You know, that, that we start meeting in small group communities to open up our minds to see bigger pictures of things. To, to not just say, oh, my faith, you know, my practice is on Sunday. That's when I think about it. And the rest of the week, I don't. But to, but to incorporate the faith more deeply into our lives as we live it by sharing it with other people, sharing experiences, and so forth. And, and you know, particularly in Friends and Faith, again, you see how it works because we work on these five things in it. First is worship. So that worship is meaningful when you come here. It's not just obligation. I have to come to church. But you know why you're here. You know, the evangelization effort being proud to be Christian being proud to be Catholic and nothing not afraid to let people know the fellowship part I the fellowship gets me I didn't do it today purposely how many of you know the names of the people sitting around you that you didn't come with that you didn't come to church with a handful I mean a handful only Where's the fellowship? We should be, able, you know, come in. We should know the people sitting around us, hi, and so forth. We always say we're like to, we like to say we're a family. Well, you know what I know in my family? Everybody's name. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know everybody's name here. <laughs> uh, um, discipleship. And these are the last two parts. Discipleship, how to follow him faithfully during the week, all the time. And then what feeds into this ministry? You know, it's not enough just to take care of myself. How, how do I contribute to the common good, which is what the rich guy didn't do? So that's why, that's why we have friends in faith to start doing that. So we're serious about this. You know, I am, let me, let me do a little personal confession. I'm a little bit worried right now. I'm looking around, there are not many people here who lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I'm looking around. Um, if you did, raise your hand. Yeah, not many of us. I remember in school doing drills to hide under your desk <laughs> in case there was a nuclear explosion. It's just that's going to do anything now. But we, but we would have to do drills. How, you know, what do you do to keep yourself safe? And all they were worried about was the walls falling on your head at that time. But it, we were on the verge of a nuclear war back in the early 60s with that Cuban Missile Crisis. And I couldn't prove this, but you know why I think it didn't happen? 
people came to their senses? Well, there were thousands, and it was mostly women. You know, not as many men, mostly women. Thousands of women in the country and around the world who were in church every morning praying the rosary for peace to avoid this. And it, and it was particularly emphasized, we need to pray for peace, we need to pray. So they'd get together every day in churches and pray the rosary for peace, peace, peace. And it was, you know, it was avoided. The war was averted. And now, what I'm worried about right now is we could be right on the verge. Again, when, when Putin says, I'll do whatever is necessary to win. And I don't know what that means, but it's enough to, it's enough to get my attention. Yeah, more than enough, which is why this particularly is a time to say, okay, we need to start taking our faith seriously because it's a dangerous time in the world. And, you know, not just socially in our country, but, but, but for, for life in the world. We need to be taking this seriously. Thank you for joining us at Your Daily Homily. For information on St. Philip the Apostle Parish or to support this ministry, please click on the links provided. Until our next time together, be safe and God bless.